Your open deck shipping price, although difficult to predict, is important to understand. Budgeting your transportation dollars appropriately is crucial to managing your company's supply chain logistics. So why is it so difficult to accurately do so? This nation's transportation providers aren't exactly actively supplying answers to questions like, what factors impact my pricing? At least not in a way that's easy to understand. And unfortunately, this leaves shippers like you at a real disadvantage. You shouldn't have to reach out and request a quote every time you'd like to learn a bit more about what your freight will cost. No, this information should be far more accessible, and today, let's make that the reality. I'm Eli Simonson, and in this episode of Beyond the Road, let's speak to a transportation industry pricing expert and go over the major factors that together determine your open deck freight rates. Stick around. Welcome back to this episode of Beyond the Road. Joining me today is Reed Egan, a pricing analyst supervisor with Anderson Trucking Service. Reed, thank you so much for being here. Of course, happy to be here. Let's talk a little bit about you and your job. You seem like you have a pretty interesting role, maybe a unique role within transportation. Uh, One that isn't highlighted very frequently, I'm sure, maybe kind of a thankless job, but Let's talk about your day-to-day, your role. What do you what do you do for Anderson Trucking Service? For sure. I've been with Anderson Trucking for four years now. I do a lot of the background, providing pricing both on the spot and contract market. Company-wide, you know, open deck, drive van, logistics. Um, just kind of play with the numbers in the background, try to include as much data as possible. We look internally and externally, and we kind of just know where the number crunch is of ATS. Pretty cool. And you lead a team now. Yeah. Yeah, there's so far, there's two of us. We have a pricing admin, Carrie, she does codes. And then we have another pricing analyst, Nate. He does you know, forecasting and other RFQ needs. So we're adding one more coming up here. So it's kind of exciting. Very cool. Growing team. And how long have you been doing this? I've been here for four years now. So Four years. Yeah. Wow. Right out of college? Yep. Yep. Went to college at SESU here. I uh, got my degree in finance. Went back right away for my master's in business analyst or analy- whatever, MBA. And then just came here in the middle of that. So far, you're liking transportation? You've yeah. always been a whiz with numbers, huh? Yeah. I never saw myself coming to transportation. No. no Nobody ever just, does. Yeah, no one does. <laughs> uh, as an analytical person, transportation you know, gives more positions for sales, drivers, and you know, people that in operations make it work. Yep. Analytical position, growing up, you always kind of felt yourself in the stock markets and banking, finance. So right. it's a nice pivot, but it fits my personality, so... I'm having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, that's awesome. It's uh, you know, it seems like you're really excelling at ATS. So I'm uh, I'm excited to have you on here to talk about open deck, open deck freight rates. Awesome, let's do it. And that is something that you would generally know a lot about. <laughs> <Yeah>. that's <laughs> I would imagine you, you price a lot of open deck freight. Yep, uh, coming in, Specialized was kind of the main group, core group that needed pricing support. They were kind of the leading initiators of including data in their rates. Looking at heavy haul shipments, specialized freight, and open deck stuff was kind of our core. So that's what we're most familiar with. I think we'll jump around a little bit with this discussion. So I apologize for that. But let's talk about, yeah, just starting off here. Can we, let's talk about the price ranges we're looking at for open deck freight and maybe how that's changed over time, over your four years here. What kind of fluctuations have you seen? Yeah, we've hit 
a lot of different years, certainly in the trucking market, and a lot of different extracurricular events that made <laughs> us kind of adjust on. What I can say is you can generally expect anywhere from $2 to $6 on your CPM per mile, you know, with a lot of other variables, you know, your length of haul, your, your fuel, and um, that's the general range that you're probably going to get quoted on when you contact any uh, shipper. Um, how it's changed over the years, we've seen a dramatic spike because of COVID, you know, how freight has changed since then, how demand has fluctuated by certain zones. You know, if you look all the way back to 2017, your general rate per mile was $2.05 on your truck stop. Right. Uh, 2018 was a dramatic spike, a lot of hurricane relief. You had a lot of different events going on. Came up 15%. So you saw 2.30 as your normal average price. Well, today we're running at 2.76. Last year, this year's $3 range. So it's continuing to go up. Yeah. Um, we had 30% spikes because of COVID, and 15% the year after. So we're kind of trying to catch up, trying to stay on top of the wave, see where that normal line is now. Yeah. And that can be difficult, especially with so many things changing, it seems like. Yeah. My God. A lot yeah. of things impact impact those, those rates that companies are receiving for their freight. Yeah, Open Deck relies on a lot of different markets. You know, yeah. it's unfinished products, you know, just to build stuff that you're shipping inbound. It's outbound products that are finished that need to be tarped and, you know, final products. Open deck tra- trucking relies on a lot of uh, services, cars. Uh, yeah. yeah, you got Caterpillars, equipment types, John Deere, agriculture. A lot of different markets play a role in it. So as prices increase in your markets, I'm sure there's something in the background to do with trucking. Regarding the things that impact the price, uh, these factors that you know time after time are really influencing the rate, I've got seven written down here. I'm just going to run through them quick, and then I will ask you what you look at when considering all these factors. Uh, The first one is the specifics of the freight. Second is the type of equipment needed. Uh, The shipment's origin or destination is the third thing. Um, The length of haul, that load's length of haul, how far does it need to go? The urgency, how quickly does that shipment need to move? Uh, Any ancillary or accessorial fees associated with that move? And then just current weather conditions is the seventh thing that I have here. But my question for you is like when you are receiving a shipment or are asked to quote something, what are you looking at? What is the first thing you're looking at here? Well, on the open deck side, first thing like you mentioned is dimensions, right? What kind of product are you shipping? And how does that affect the trailer type that I'm going to need to be able to haul it successfully? Um, If you're hauling a small piece, uh, just one coil, or if you're hauling shingles, you know, I can haul that on a typical flatbed or step deck. Um, but as soon as you start to get into overdimensional freight, uh, if you're up to 12 feet wide or if you're 12 feet tall, uh, extra length, extra weight, then we have to start considering uh, permits, escorts, different equipment types. Um, so the first question that we always ask when we get a phone call op- looking for open deck shipping is, what are your dimensions? And then from there, you take those dimensions and you look at we pair it with an equipment type so if it's general legal dimensions first off the bat we're going to haul it on a flatbed or a step deck those are kind of the most common you know if you see a truck down the road um, with a flatbed trailer that's what you expect to see sure as the dimensions change we have to account you know accommodate for different weights and lengths and the way we do that is we have multi-axle trailers that can spread the weight you know better yep or we have uh, extended, extendable flatbed trailers that can get an over-length piece on it. So, uh, yeah, as soon as we match the equipment type with your load, now we know what we're working with. Now we can quote, quote it appropriately. 
And these things, the, the, you know, legal dimensional capabilities and, you know, the type of equipment needed changes by location. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's, that kind of actually gets us in nicely to origin and destination. And how do those impact our, uh, our pricing? Yeah. Uh, the way I look at origin and destination, it's, it's how many loads are in the area at that time versus how many trucks are in the area. It's just simple supply and demand. Yep. If you're in an area where there's a lot of loads, a lot of competition, those drivers get a little bit more say, they're going to get paid a little bit more. It's going to be a head haul load for them to make their money. If you're in a remote location or if you're in an area where, you know, you're offering a load that typically you don't have a lot of competition, drivers are going to be able to take that really cheap. Let's get back home. So they're back in their main markets. Right. So you're looking at, just what are the hot and cold zones at any given time? Yeah. Your Atlantas, your Houston, Dallas areas are always freight heavy. Um, those are solid markets for any open deck trailer. Once you get out to the West Coast, Northeast, some of those are more difficult to kind of ship in and out of. Yeah. Uh, so your rates will look a little bit different going whether you're going in or out of those areas. So those demand-rich zones, so those, those, those areas that have a high demand for truck capacity. Mm -hmm. So it's easier to price those, those kinds of shipments, would you say? Yep. We have a lot of history. We've done it many times. Um, We have a lot of trucks, ATS assets in the area, and we have a lot of options to broker in the area. So if we get a load, we've historically been able to pinpoint the exact rate enough to get our driver covered on it enough to make sure it's efficient for them. You know, a turnaround where they drop off their load is pretty close to where they're picking up their next load. Those are hot markets. We know where we're comfortable pricing those areas. And how about those remote or those those not demand-rich, let's say, destinations? Let's mm-hmm. say I need to go to somewhere like a mountainous region in Colorado in the middle of winter. How is that going Im- to impact my pricing? Yeah, we're looking at a lot of different things. You know, safety. You're in the mountains during winter. We need to include that. Not a lot of drivers are going to take that if you sure. offer it up to them. We also don't know where that driver is going to pick up his next load. If he's delivering to a remote location... He might have to bounce all the way back to Washington or Minnesota, Midwest area, empty, deadhead. He's not getting paid for those miles. So we have to include that in our pricing. And that's all based off of what we've historically seen. If you're delivering to the middle of Colorado, your deadhead's 1,000 miles. I need to make sure that driver's getting enough money to cover two empty days. Right. So my pricing to that area is going to be a lot higher just to find the driver, to the appropriate driver that's going to want to take the load and make sure he's getting paid the same amount that he would get paid if he would have hauled a normal key lane for us. Right. So that kind of ties back to the like the company, the actual transportation provider's areas of strength, right? So mm-hmm. where they have that established customer base, right? So freight for that driver to haul out of there maybe. Yep. So maybe ATS wouldn't be a good fit on a load like what, you know, whatever it is, whatever our areas of strength are not. But so, I would imagine that there are some carriers that would be able to to cover yeah. that. For sure, there's carriers that have strengths in every area. There's mom and pop local shops, and that's their key zone. It just might not fit our network, but it's always a good fit for other people. And that's kind of where our brokerage really plays a good role for us because we have relationships with a lot of those carriers. So if we have a strong relationship, we know that we have a capable carrier of carrying out of our network, we can probably price that a lot more competitively. Yeah, something to keep in mind, definitely, when you're going to those those harder-to-reach areas or more expensive areas is is working with an asset carrier that maybe has brokerage authority or has good relationships in those areas, which is always something you can ask. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, you know, some people prefer having an ATS logo on because they see the service of ATS. Right. Um, but if you're looking for cost retention and being able to low, lowest cost carrier, having the option to broker will always get our pricing down. If we know that we have options or if we know we have time, 
we're able to you know service that load in our best fit yep. um, so it definitely gives us more options yeah very cool let's jump right into the length of haul so that freight's length of haul how does that impact how does that impact the kind of pricing that you're that you're doing so we look at it a kind of a couple different ways always you know ATS strives to make sure we have miles miles are good for the driver they know they're getting paid for a good amount of time um, miles get them enough time to find another load you know it gives us a couple days to find that load form to come back so the more miles the better we can get more competitive on them it's just nice to have that revenue to back up on once you get to shorter length of haul under 500 miles we start to look at it as a day rate or a weekly truck rate making sure our drivers are making enough money keep their truck in service every week so what a day rate for us looks like is say we have 50 miles to go uh, how many times can i successfully pick that load up deliver turn around pick up again and see how many of those turns we can make and how does that impact the driver uh, does that we have to make sure he gets enough for that week how can i you know cost per load that way right so we're looking a lot at his eld making sure he's efficient making sure the windows of you know loading and delivery aren't taking too long and so those are what day rates kind of look at but again you know the longer the haul the better it's easier for us to kind of take out some of those variables right so kind of harking back to that day rate thing trucking companies are essentially at the basic level they're essentially rental companies right like they only make money when their assets are moving and mm-hmm. and their equipment is is rented out to the shipper at the same time they have that distinct human element of the driver and the driver needs to be paid you know for their time that driver can only be on duty for so long. So that is, that's basically the reasoning for the day rate, correct? That's a good way of putting it, yeah. It's just we're providing a service. We're providing an employee for that company. You know, they're relying on our capacity, our equipment types. And so, yeah, it's a good partnership for both sides. Which is, and this is maybe a little off topic, but which is why those, those short mile runs, especially over the weekend, mm-hmm. can get so, so expensive. Yeah, weekend ones are tough. You know, when we're looking at miles, I want to make sure on a Thursday or Friday pickup that I have a lot of miles. I can't let that driver go to a location or facility, like you said, and be waiting for someone to come in on work on Monday. So the less we have our drivers sitting and waiting and laying over, not getting paid, with a load on their trailer, the better. So we we don't like taking 300-mile runs on Friday afternoon, having the driver ready to go Saturday, only to wait two days for them to open. So, yeah, if you can haul a 1,000-mile load on a Friday and then he delivers Monday, and then now you can start getting to the shorter haul because he's going to be busy all week and then do it all again next week, that's pretty efficient in my mind. Yeah, and keeping those, those drivers running, you never really think about it, but keeping those drivers running is very operationally intense, it seems like. You yeah. have a lot to consider there. Uh, so what would you say is an optimal length of haul uh, as far as pricing goes? Are you able to, I don't know, maybe it's too variable, but... Yeah, optimal for us, we've always kind of shot for that 1,000 mark. 1,000 miles is pretty good. It fits in our network from the Midwest down to Texas or the South, kicking over to the Southeast, back to the Northeast a little bit, and back to the Midwest. Those are pretty strong 1,000-mile hauls for us. The more, the merrier sometimes. Um, We assume a driver's going to be able to efficiently get 500 miles a day. So anything in those cutoffs of 5,000, 1,500 are good. You know, yeah. a three-day run, two-day run. Um, once you get to the middle ground, you kind of got to calculate half a day in there and price that in as well. But sure. so anything over a 1,000 miles is pretty good for us. So at this point, based on what we've talked about, if I'm a shipper in, let's say, I'm in Detroit, mm-hmm. and I need a legal 
53 foot flatbed shipment to go a thousand miles i'm looking pretty i'm looking pretty good for yep. for ats as long as you're not delivering to a remote location if you're <laughs> going back to houston we're good to go on that level. <laughs> okay cool <laughs> our next point is urgency mm-hmm. so i mean obviously lead time is really important uh, for receiving accurate competitive pricing let's talk a little bit about ur- how urgency impacts the the rates that you are providing yeah, it's one of the first factors that we're looking at. You know, if they're uh, calling us up or asking for a rate or a contract, we need to know what your expectations are. You know, if your expectation is next day pickup or in less than 24 hours, we're going to be hard-pressed to find a truck that's in the area, uh, you know, an ATS asset or brokerage. It's going to be hard to, you know, secure that truck, make sure they're equipped with all of the stuff they need. Um, and in on time for you. So it gives us a lot more of a challenge. A proper lead time looks like two to three days. That's the industry standard. Like I said, you know, a driver can go 500 miles a day. So two to three days lead time gives us five to a thousand mile radius to find any truck. So we're going to have a lot more options. We're going to be able to bring drivers that are, you know, delivering close by a day before, you know, we're able to route it a lot more efficiently on our end. So the price you know, directly impacts. Going back to that supply and demand thing, right, is, mm-hmm. is the, the cost of the service is completely dictated by the supply of, of available transportation solutions in their area compared to the demand for those solutions. Right. And with lead time as a trucking company, you have more opportunity to even route a driver in there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, the more time, the, the better. You know, if we have 10 days and you have uh, open availability, we just call and make an appointment. Well, now we have all of the options in the world. We can get an asset driver paid into your facility, load them up again and out. It's way more efficient on our end. Let's talk about accessorial fees or any additional requirements on an open deck shipment. Um, I know a major one is is tarping. Mm-hmm. How is that factoring into my rate per mile or my daily price? Or Yeah, anything where any extracurricular activity on the driver, we're going to have to make sure they're paid for it and priced in as it. You know, if I'm physically helping load a trailer or tarping something, I'm I would expect more money on it too, you know. And so when we're tarping, um, we expect $100 to $150 flat fee. It's just the act that he's, you know, he's tarping a load. And we'll we'll itemize it separately on the billing statement so they know that this is what it was for. Um, really helps keep, you know, final products, you know, clean, damage-free, and it gives a lot of securement. So it is a, is a good process. Um, but yeah, $100 to $150 is kind of what our drivers expect. Outside of that, other accessorials that Open Deck really rely on. Um, stop-offs, a lot of trailers are loaded kind of LTL way where there's four different pieces. They stop along the route. Um, that takes a lot of time. You know, you have to stop. You have to get out of your truck, get unloaded, and then go back on your way. So it's just an efficiency thing. You know, kind of expect anywhere from 50 to $200 per stop um, just to make sure that driver is continuing to get paid still an efficient load for him. Other accessorials, you know, as you're loading, some things come up. The driver could sit and wait over two or three hours waiting to get loaded. And that time comes directly out of his ELD. He's not going to be able to drive as long that day. So he's going to need to get paid for detention. Um, Sometimes, like we said, on the weekend, if you're sitting there waiting for someone to open, he's going to need some sort of day rate to keep Mm sure, you know, pay his hotel bill for that (laughs) night. And so detention looks like, around $50 an hour after the first couple hours and layover for a whole day would cost about 250 to $350 for a day. Right. It's kind of what we have as industry standards for the flatbed market. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about OD. Uh, we charge if you're over width, if you're over height, overweight, 
you know, we have specific breaks for each of those. Oh, sure. So that, what is that? That's an overdimensional surcharge? Is yep. that be? Okay. Yep. And they look different. You know, sometimes your load is wide, but it's not too heavy. Sometimes you're tall and we have to go a different route because the bridges aren't tall enough. Yeah. Um, so those are kind of case by case based. And with the overdimensional, you kind of hit a lot of permits and escorts based off the states that you're routed through. Right. And those can really add on too. Yep. We typically charge those as pass through. What was the actual permit cost? And we just pass it on to the customer. As far as quoting or, yeah, I guess passing it through to the customer, how is that done? Do you work those those accessorials, especially if they're specified up front, into the rate per mile? Or is that some, or do you just list it on their invoice? Or is it just based on the preference of the customer? So the quoting looks like, you know, we'll get a call, we'll get a piece, we'll get an equipment type that's fitting for the piece, we'll enter it all in. It goes to our routing team. They'll avoid states that they know are difficult, expensive, different permits. They'll come up with an optimal route. They'll add a little bit just in case the driver gets rerouted. And then so they'll list all of the permits and escorts that we calculate in that routing process as its own itemized so the customer can see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after we go through them, the actual cost is passed on then. You gave some price ranges for the those common accessorials, the stop-off mm-hmm. and the, the tarping. How does the pricing change or how is it affected if the driver shows up and those accessorials were not specified on, on the front end? Then... You know, if we have a contract customer, usually there's an accessorial sheet that they'll follow. We'll be able to push it onto them. Um, otherwise, we try to negotiate. We try to make sure that that driver is getting paid and covered. We try to get as much information up front, but that does happen. You know, right. sometimes we'll have a truck getting ordered in, and then they don't have a load form and it's not going to be used. And so we still, on, even in that case, where we're not hauling anything, we need to make sure that driver gets a, you know, a sum of money for his time and efforts to get to the location. So a truck order not used is another accessorial. So we try to avoid any of those things yeah. at all costs. But sometimes you have to go back to the customer and make sure we're on the same page. Right. Because if that driver shows up and needs tarps and he doesn't have tarps mm-hmm. and he's not going to buy tarps. and Right. Yeah, I can imagine that'd be pretty disruptive. So we, You know, sometimes the customer needs eight straps, 12 straps, different size tarps, OD tarps, and we might not have it on hand. So we'll go out and buy it. We'll find the closest spot for that driver to buy it. Usually we're working with the customer and they can cover that cost too. Um, we'll find a way to make it work. Right. Our final one here is weather. Mm-hmm. Current weather conditions. I imagine that's along the route at the origin, at the destination. How are you thinking about that? For the driver, I imagine that comes back to, like you talked about earlier, safety for that driver. Yeah. Weather is a tough one because sometimes you don't know what you're getting into until after you already picked up the load. Um if we know in advance that snowstorms are coming to the Northeast or Midwest, we're not even going to send a truck there. You know, there's not a lot of people that want to go up there. Ice Road Truckers is a show for a reason, you know. <laughs> they, they get paid, you know. There's only a handful that want to do it, and so we're going to make sure that there's enough money on there to secure a driver for you. What it looks like for the shipper is that you wait it out, you find a better time to ship. We'll come in when time's better for everybody. Your workers don't want to be loading us in those conditions either, I'm sure, so... Um, the best bet is just to avoid any crazy weather. Um, we've had experience with hurricanes, relief after hurricanes. We do a lot of shipments for that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot that goes into it, but it's case by case. We've got to try to stay on top of it. Sure. And your priority number one is obviously the safety of the driver. And 100%. So. Cool. Any, as a pricing analyst, do you have any cost-saving tips or anything <laughs> you know, that consistently saves people money or consistently costs shippers money? 
yeah, things that can help us save money, like we talked about, is just being upfront with all of your costs, uh, being clear about what we're hauling, making sure that you're prepped when our driver comes in, give us certain appointment windows, time to find out the load. And like we talked about, if you're open for brokerage and other options, the more flexibility you have, the cheaper our rate's going to be every single time. Um, so that's the number one cost saver to me. Uh, what I see some shippers not doing that is costing them is the other end of the stick, right? They're not being flexible. They need this picked up. They need team services or they need tarping on all of their products, whether it's necessary or not. Um, those are going to boost your costs up. Um, yeah, uh, flexibility is probably the number one thing that I'm seeing on the open deck world. Anything else about pricing that we did not talk about that, uh, you know, impacts open deck pricing? I think that we covered a lot of good stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, market's been definitely been changing. It's everyone's thought process. Yep. They want to know what they're going to be paying. Um, I I think rates are coming down this year. They're finally getting back to a normal level. Capacity and spot quotes, they're coming down. Who knows what it's going to look like a couple of months from now? Who knows the amount of drivers that are going to be out on the road a couple of months from now? Right. But it feels like we've kind of hit the peak on pricing. We're starting to come back to a level off area, and customers can kind of expect to see and a little bit of a kickback because of that. Sure. Um, maybe you can't speak to this, or, or maybe you can, but what about that pricing thing, that locking in locking in pricing in a market like today? Is like how frequently should um, companies be looking at that? Yeah, uh, we handle a lot of contract pricing on my team. Um, it benefits both sides, but someone's obviously going to take some risk, right? Whether it's the carrier locking in a rate and the market goes up, or the shipper taking on a rate and the market goes down. Um, ATS is very flexible. If the market dramatically shifts, we'll be open to the customer, rebid some of the lanes, making sure that we're all kind of on the same page. It benefits us because we get additional capacity. It benefits the customer because they get service. They know they have someone to cover their hundreds of loads. So I think it goes on both sides. Locking in pricing right now, I think it's been solid. You know, if you would have locked it a couple months from now, your rates would have been a lot higher. Yeah, it's kind of a guessing game, I it suppose. It is. It really is. Even the being the pricing analyst, I don't even know. <sighs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Thank you for coming out to talk with me today. Yeah, it's I think, been fun. Yeah, I think this went pretty well. We'll have to have you back on. There's a lot more stuff we can cover. For sure. A lot more that you do, a lot more types of freight that you that you price. Yeah. We can talk about fuel surcharges next time. <laughs> That is a whole different ball game. Let's do it. <laughs> a whole different ball game. All right. Uh, yeah. Thanks again. Yeah. Thank you. You've been listening to Beyond the Road, the transportation industry podcast produced by Anderson Trucking Service. If you liked what you heard here today, make sure to follow along wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss our next episode. If you'd like some more educational transportation industry information, head over to the ATS Inc. Learning Hub at atsinc.com slash learninghub for a comprehensive library of answers to transportation's most common questions. Also, if you're looking for the article on this topic, I've linked it in the description below. Finally, thanks for sticking around, and I hope to speak to you again next time on another episode of Beyond the Road. <laughs>